Welcome into the weekend recap episode 10, episode X. I mean, this is this is the milestone. We've been Roman numeral counting, and I feel like it's all led up to this moment. No, it really has. And it's just so special. I wanna thank I wanna thank my Wi-Fi for not being awful for letting us uh, get to this moment. I wanna thank a little stab at my Wi-Fi. I, I wanna thank the OBS studio for allowing us to use their software free of charge. Uh-huh. More of an open source type thing. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you, Luke, for, like me, having no life during the summer. I mean, we both have lives. It's just our Monday nights happen to be to be open, which is nice. And it works yeah. out. Yeah, it's true. And, it, and, you know, I get to start the show again, which is nice, here on uh, yeah, the I Weekend mean, Recap. And if, the reason if, why if we're I'm starting the, coach, the show... If I'm the coach here, and sorry to interrupt you, you know, you, you showed me a lot uh, a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, you were you were unavailable last week, and... As they say, the best of uh, best abilities availability, and you kind of failed that test. But I, I mean, you did well. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't take the ball off your hands this time. So, so the reason why we need to lead off is be with the New York Mets is because they're red hot. I mean, they had an eight game win streak snapped uh, yesterday, and there's another reason why we have to to start the show with the Mets is because my beautiful co-host Matt Watling decided that. The Mets season was over two weeks ago. I did not. And say when it was I over. when I said the Mets had a wild card run in them, he said I was drinking the Kool Aid. He said I was buying in too early. He said I was too excited about the Marcus Stroman trade. And here we sit, the Mets a game and a half out of the first wild card, a game behind the second wild card. What say you, Matt Watling? You you did buy in too early. What did I tell you? I didn't say that they were they were trash. I didn't say that. I didn't say they were a bad team, did I? No. You know what I said? I said, give me until after this Atlanta Braves series coming up tomorrow, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll let you know. And yes, you're right in the sense that you were drinking the Kool-Aid, and maybe they are good, but I didn't say they were bad. And I think people kind of forgot that. I was saying that these Mets fans that we know and that we love, I'm trying to protect you guys. I'm trying to protect you from the pain and the no. misery Oh. The misery that is being a fan of the Mets, because I know being an Islanders fan. But you, no, no, you're you're downplaying this so heavily because you came at my throat for even suggesting that the Mets had a chance here. And I, and in my defense, I wasn't completely drinking the Kool Aid. I'm saying they're playing the Marlins, they're playing the Pirates, they're playing the White Sox. If they can rip off eight or nine in a row, then we're talking about over 500. And we're talking about playoffs, and you refuse to even you, believe that they could do too. that. No, no, but you oh, refuse no, to even wrong. you refuse to even wrong, pretend sir. to jump on the bandwagon with me. And now that they beat the Nationals two out of three, you're like, oh yes, now you've shown me something. I said, I said that they could do that. Just wait until the National Series, because I could beat the Marlins. But what? It what is? Matter. It's part of your schedule. What's the point? But what's you the point? Can't of, tell me that you're a great team if you're beating the Marlins. You're supposed to do that. Average teams are supposed to beat the Marlins. So it's yeah, but, great. It's a great story, and the Mets could be good, and I think they are good. I think they're a wild card team. But if you wanted me to tell you that, then you have to wait another three games. I didn't say they were bad. What is the point of sports talk, sports talk radio, which you love? You love sports talk radio probably more than me. What's I the do. point if you can't, if you just don't make predictions, you just wait for things to happen and say, you oh, can. well, now I believe. And now I, I'm I reacted on to it. Now I'm on board. No. No, I reacted I put to myself it. I, I didn't think, I don't think that they could have been a wild card team. I didn't believe that stance until I see them play some actual opponents. And, and they I played, believe, they played I three games against an actual opponent. And thanks to Doolittle, who did nothing for the Nationals, uh-huh. they, they won busy. two games. If the Nationals had a competent bullpen, we're looking at a Mets team that could have gotten swept this weekend. And they're a well, great story, and I hate being this, this negative Nancy for the Mets because I was watching these games this weekend, and they were fun to watch. They had that team of destiny quality, but for right now, they were – inches away from losing all three games and then what would we say right and you know i think that was one of the interesting parts because i mean you obviously are less likely to even watch i mean a full baseball game in general and you were oh, texting yeah. me saying you know i'm watching the i'm watching the mets right now and i was on i was watching the yankees i usually flip to another baseball game during commercial and i've never really done that with the mets this year and i found myself doing that i found myself watching full like 
you know, I would stay on the Mets game for a little while because they are fun to watch. And when City Field, I think, is electric like it has been the past couple of weeks, the Mets are a really fun team to have in town. I really think that they have one of the more loyal fan bases in the MLB. Obviously, they suffered a lot through the year. And now, you know, it's kind of nice to see them win two out of three against the Nationals. Yeah, and you know what I really like so much about City Field is that it's a louder stadium. You know, right. you look at Yankee Stadium. It feels loud. Literally, Yankee Stadium, yeah, it was loud, especially two years ago in that wildcard game and even last year. But when you look at City Field, it reminds me a lot of where the Islanders play, whether it be the Barclays Center or the Coliseum, where it just gets loud. Those fans just get louder than Yankees fans, than Ranger fans. And it makes it so much fun. I mean, that World Series run in 2015, being here on Long Island around the city, it was electric. It was so much fun to watch. And I think that's why it's so great. And that's why I'm hoping that the Mets are actually a good team. Because it's fun to watch these talented these these teams that are good. Yeah, it's and- fun to sit here and and root them on and and watch and have fun. But at the same time, you need those those Mets fans that are there. I think that really adds to the to the feel of this team. Because without their noise, it's just a hot baseball team. It feels different. And I think a good portion of that is to the fans. Yeah, and I think it's cool because not to, you know, just talk about stadiums and fans the whole time, but, you know, Yankee Stadium in the playoffs feels different. You know, even in the regular season, they usually get about 39,000, 40,000 a night, but when you get 45,000, it just feels different in Yankee Stadium under the lights in the playoffs. City Field, you know, on Friday night, it felt like a playoff game, and the attendance was only like low 30,000s. So there wasn't that many people there, but it felt like there was a lot of people there, and obviously that walk-off was a great way to cap it. But now, you know, moving forward, I think – this is where I don't want to, you know, I don't want to step back on my take. Oh, but they got, no. They got, no, I'm not going to step back on it. I'm saying. not retracting it. You can't I'm not retracting you're, it. You're in it till the end, buddy. At all. You're I'm not retracting it at all. Your, you declared your stance. I'm in, but I'm just telling you, Matt, this is this is the stretch coming up. You got in Atlanta. Then you got Kansas City, which is, is nothing. But then you got Cleveland, Atlanta, Chicago Cubs, uh, Phillies, Washington, Phillies, Arizona Dodgers. This is the prove me, prove me stretch. You, you're in the race now. Now you have to go out and compete for the first or second wild card legitimately. Yeah, and I think, again, like this is that stretch you wanted to see. If this was a stretch that they had uh, instead of playing the Marlins 17 times, then they could be the worst team in baseball. It's true. These are some really good teams they're playing, and I don't want to say that they're going to lose these games. I think that the Mets actually have the it factor. I think you look at their starting rotation – to me, it's the best in baseball. I don't care what anyone else says. You have the I best agree. bullpen One in all of baseball. You know, the analytics, like the, the ERA might say differently because Noah, Noah Syndergaard didn't have a great start to the year. But this is the best rotation in all of baseball, no doubt. And even their bullpen's stepping up. I mean, Jerry's Familia was dreadful to start the year. He's gotten more competent. You know, you're not afraid when you, when you put him in the game. You're not, you're not really in pain watching him pitch. And now you've got Seth Lugo who comes out of nowhere to be a closer. And you've got two bullpen guys that could give you a couple innings a night. And with a starting rotation that could – most of these guys could give you six, seven innings, not like the Yankees rota- rotation. Maybe you have a baseball team here. Maybe you have a playoff team. Yeah, and I think that one through five, the Mets are – I think they are the best rotation in baseball, especially if all these guys pitch the potential. I mean, you're talking about Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman, Zach Wheeler, Steven Matz. That's a legit one yeah. through five. You have three number one guys in your rotation if they're all pitching to their peak. Yeah, Stroman, and Wheeler and Matt can both be number two guys at their Right, peak. those are really good number twos, probably elite number threes. And that's rounding out your five, and you really hope it be the Mets that you can keep these guys together for at least one more year because you add a couple pieces for next year. Again, you talk, you hear Brody Van Wagen and say, we're trying to compete this year and next year. So go out yeah. there and make a splash and show me that you're committed to winning. And I just want to stick on pitching for a minute before we kind of transition into their offense, which has also come alive uh, recently. So the bullpen, they add Brad Bratch was an interesting move. This is a veteran guy. Hasn't been great lately. They took a chance. He's thrown one scoreless inning so far out of the bullpen. You got Seth Lugo with a two, six, five ERA. He's been fantastic. Justin Wilson, 2.78, but then it gets kind of dice. You got, uh, Gazelman at 466, Familia at 652 ERA and Edwin Diaz at a 560 ERA. And those are your guys. Those are these, you know, five to six guys you're going to use a lot in a playoff run. And I I don't know if I'm confident enough in this group for them to 
make that playoff run. So I think it's really going to be on the starting pitching. You need those guys to go out and give you six innings a night. You know, it's not the Yankees where you can get away with with Hap going five innings, allowing three runs, and still winning a game. You need DeGrom, you need Syndergaard, you need Stroman to be going six, seven innings of one, two-run ball to keep the bullpen at a, You know, give them a little bit of breathing room, as weird as that sounds. You know, give them a little bit of a cushion going into those later innings so there's a little bit less pressure. So I think it's going to be on the starting rotation for this run. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And to me, you can't pitch Edwin Diaz in any tight situation. I, and I talked to you, Luke, we can't figure out what's wrong with him. I don't know if you if you were able to look at it, whether it be spin rate or things of that nature, stuff that's just over my head. I can't see anything wrong with him, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen it, it just seems really to be, I don't out. know. It's just an enigma, really. And if you're the Mets, you can't pitch him. You just can't do it. Because he's, frankly, the one of the biggest problems on this team that I've seen. And it's crazy to think that a guy that was supposed to be the best closer in baseball, an all-star closer, can be this bad. It's really kind of funny to watch and if you're the Mets you can't pitch him unless you're absolutely sure that it's a five-run ball game you know right even if you designate him down to the minor leagues to have him figure out his stuff now you know against the Royals let's or you know bring him down for this Royal series in this Atlanta series let him figure it out have him come up and play again in lower leverage situations just hope that he can figure it out because that's the only thing you can hope for yeah and there doesn't seem to be you know the the fastball the velocity's up there the spins up there Everything's up there, but it's just he's just been getting rocked this year. His hard hit percentage has gone up 10%. His strikeout percentage has gone down 9%. So that shows you that some of the stuff isn't there that used to be. The exit velo is up 3 uh, miles per hour. The launch angle is up 5 degrees. So he's been getting smacked. This isn't you know one of those situations where it's you know the Mets defense hasn't been helping him out. He hasn't been helping himself out, and it's weird. I don't know if that's a location issue or what. But yeah, like you said, Diaz, I mean, I wouldn't go as far to say you need to send him to the minor leagues. You just don't do that with a guy that you acquire of this caliber well, I mean, but like, put him in those lower him, leverage situations yeah, have him fix himself in the minor leagues you know yeah let him pitch a couple innings low leverage baseball mechanically try to figure it out because maybe maybe what you're saying with the i don't think that's gonna up, help though maybe maybe players are just figuring out how to hit him maybe you know triple a you know is his, is his best pitch a fastball if that's the case if he's throwing fastballs guys are able to figure it out based on analytics you know i need to swing this low i need to dip my bat this far and just hit it as hard as i can and if they're guessing fastball and they have that angle right, that's when you're going to see the ball soar. I will sign him down triple. It wouldn't really help just because, I mean, the way the balls are juiced down there, he's probably not going to have the the best of times down there. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been weird, but tra- I just want to transition over to the offense for a second. So Robinson Cano might be out for the year at second base. They add Joe panic, who is, a good defender, not a great bat, but he's kind of been through it before with the Giants. He's been mm-hmm. clutching the playoffs. He's won Certainly a World Series a championship. Move, am I right? <laughs> panic at the disco, baby. But it, I don't know. This was to me an interesting move. I think Mets fans were really excited about it. I don't know if I'd be really excited. I liked about it, it a lot because you want, especially in the NL where you have a lot more changes and because the because there's no DH and all that, you're getting a guy that's a World Series champion. He knows the game of baseball. He's a you know he's just a quality quality player and if you need that defensive reassurance why not throw him in there you know what right. you know it, it shows that the Mets are kind of all in they're not saying the- hey we're fine with what we're doing they're kind of being proactive and if I'm a Mets fan I like that because you just spent money that I didn't think you would spend also uh I was just looking at Diaz really quick again his fastball percentage and his slider percentage have the almost identical or excuse wait He's used his fastball 4% more this year, and he's used his slider 4% less this year. So it looks like it, it must be a fastball problem. But, like, why would he keep uh, throwing his fastball? If it doesn't that's work, a good just question. don't throw it anymore. I mean, you <laughs> saw Chapman change to, what, his slider? Yeah. You know, Tanaka's been using his, his off-speed pitches more, too. Like, should just be better. I don't know. Yeah, that seems kind of weird. But, um, anyways, going back to the... I think you're right. You know, if you bring him as a defensive replacement, that's great. But I mean, he should—I don't think he should be starting important games down the stretch or anything like that. Um, just because I mean, he really well, has no, been a liability in, in terms of hitting the past couple couple years. But you know, I love the, what the top of this Mets lineup is. I mean, talk about Jeff, one of the best pure hitters in the MLB right now. Pete Alonso, obviously, super firepower. 
Same thing with Conforto. Wilson Ramos has been probably the best catcher the Mets have had in quite some time. It's just, can you find enough value at the bottom of that order? I think that's going to be the interesting part. If Ahmed Rosario can stay hot, I think that's huge. But the guys that they've kind of brought in, brought out, I think are going to be a little bit problematic for, for a stretch run. And you need those guys. You need to be solid one through eight in the NL. Right. I think part of the issue with this team is in the last 16 games, pretty much every single player has been hot. I mean, you look at it, Todd Frazier's hitting 232 in his last 16. That's that's pretty good for Todd Frazier. You know, he's not yeah. a guy that you expect to hit that well. On this season, as, as I look it up right now, Todd Frazier is hitting 235. So he's about hitting what he's supposed to be. You know, Pete Alonso hitting 228. You know, that's not great, but he's hit the home runs. You know, Jeff McNeil's up there hitting pretty well. J.D. Davis, Michael Conforto are both hitting him. Ahmed Rosario. All their guys are hitting can you expect that for the rest of the season? You know, I don't. I don't think you can expect it for the rest of the season here, as we're having some technical difficulties on the uh, be back, computer. Be back. You're you're all right. Your Wi-Fi is working yeah. again. I'm alive. All right. Thank thank goodness. But you know, can you expect every single guy in this lineup, one through eight, to hit at their best every single game for the rest of the season? You really can't. This isn't a team that's built on great hitting, you know? When you have Aaron Judge hitting 170 right now, you expect him to hit up, get back up to 300 or 250 or 275, whatever it is. You expect that. Do you expect Conforto to stay at, th- at 345 or even in the 300s? No. Do you expect J.D. Davis to hit 404? These aren't These guys aren't <laughs> average hitters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. A lot of these guys are playing above their heads. But, you know, even if J.D. Davis is, you know, a 270 to 280 hitter, I think that still helps the Mets a lot. Uh, and when you have Frazier also at third base, I think that's an interesting dynamic, you know, deciding who you want to play there. But J.D. Davis has been a great addition for them. So starting to kind of wrap up Mets, I won't I was going to go. I was going to ask you gun to your head. Will the Mets make the wild card? I don't know. I think I might. I might. I might save that one for for next Why, week. You're not going to make the call either. You're not gonna make I'll make the call. The call. Either, you coward. Are you a coward? I'll make now? the call. Do it. I'll make the call right now. I I think the I think the Mets make the wild card. I do. Because look at the teams that are ahead of them. You got Milwaukee, who the bullpen's better, the starting rotation isn't, and the offense has been spotty. Teams under them, Philadelphia, tons of issues. Then above them, St. Louis, Washington. Washington has the same issues as them. They have good starting pitching, not a great bullpen, pretty middle of the road offense. I think it's gonna be between Washington, St. Louis, Milwaukee, and the Mets, I think the Mets grab the second wild card. I do. I agree with you. I All right, fine. Be boring. Be boring. Well, what if you're gonna? It's either yes or no here. I'm not gonna yeah. say. I'm not gonna say maybe. I'm not gonna say. Give me wait till another three games. And I'm pulling up here now. I don't know if this still works, but there's a strength of schedule uh, MLB rankings updated today by the Power Rankings Guru. I don't know if you know that that source. But right now, the Mets have Shout out. the 15th hardest schedule remaining. So, like, pretty middle of the pack. Uh, looking at some teams around them as well before we move on here. Uh, let's see here. The Brewers, we've got at eight, eighth hardest. Excuse me. You've got the Cardinals over and around. Let's see here. Bad radio. But <laughs> where are the Cardinals on this? Oh, they're 10th. And the Nationals are... I get a drum roll, please. Probably 24th. right around the Mets, yes. Oh, wow. 24th. So, you know, the Mets, you know, I was looking at their schedule. I thought they had a pretty tough schedule with the stretch going up. Lower. But I guess at the end of the day, it's going to balance out towards the end of the season. And, you know, just to, to move over, you know, I was listening to DiPietro and, and Rothenberg on ESPN Radio in New York here, and they brought up a really, really intriguing question where they said, "Would you? who has a better shot at winning a seven-game series? The Mets against the Dodgers, the Yankees against the Astros. And just off the top of my head, I immediately thought Mets. And that's crazy to think because the Yankees are one of the best teams in baseball. I would I would still go Yankees. I can see why people would say Mets, though. Because, you know, you got, you're going to fall in love with that, with that rotation. But to me, it's going to be who can check the most boxes when it comes to, to a playoff series. And I still like the Yankees a little bit better. I give the Mets a nod in starting pitching. Um, I give the Yankees a nod in the bullpen. I give but the Yankees a nod on defense. The I give the Yankees a nod on offense. I think, no, the bullpen is completely significant No, in the but when you get to that full game series, when you get to that seven game series and you have days off, 
you're seeing the Mets start up three three pitchers in DeGrom, Syndergaard, and let's say Stroman. Mats and Wheeler go to the bullpen. And if you pitch those guys two innings every other day or every third day because you'll rotate them, whatever it may be, that reassures your bullpen exponentially when you get those kind of guys in the bullpen. But these are guys that aren't used to even coming out of the bullpen. But I think those are guys that translate. If you put them in at the start of an inning, I think it's different. And yes, it's a different schedule. But would you rather have a guy like Mats or Wheeler or a guy like – I mean, if Luis Severino is healthy, I'd rather have him come out of the bullpen than either of those guys. I'm trying to think of like a middling reliever on the Yankees. I thought Chad Greenbury's pretty good. Uh, Tarpley, Holder, I don't know. Like I said, those guys aren't really seeing time either. Yeah, but I mean, you could make the same argument. Those guys are better. Those guys in Wheeler and and Matt's could be up there at the Adovino level. You know, if they can play at that level. Then it's a completed ball game because now you have two really. I good do not. I do not see Matthew Wheeler close? going to the bullpen and pitching a one-four-one ERA. I just don't see that happening. Could they be close to it? Could they pitch a two ERA? But we're talking about guys like Adam Adovino and Chapman and Chad Green and Tommy Canley. They know these situations. They they pitch these situations every day. If you throw in Wheeler and Mats and say the Mets are up two or down, it's just a weird. It's just different coming it's out of the weird, bullpen. But you have to think that at the root of the at the root of the game at the end of the day, these guys are baseball players. Their job I mean, is to throw the ball regardless of what, what the score says. And if you start them at the top of an inning and you say, listen, just give me your stuff that you usually do. You know, and that's why it helps to have a veteran catcher in Wilson Ramos who can kind of help them through that. You know, if you're not used to pitching as a reliever and we have Wilson Ramos back there, you trust him a lot more than a guy like Tomas Nito, who's, who's really was a, was a rookie this year. Yeah, but then I feel like you're just putting a lot of faith in Wheeler and Matt's both. I mean, I like Wheeler in a one to two inning situation, but I mean, it's not like Matt's has been has been stellar. It's not both these guys have been locked down every appearance they've had. Yeah, no, I just think that that's an intriguing kind of aspect and wrinkle to it, where you have these guys that you haven't seen in the bullpen. You you know, like you're now, your bullpen's at full strength when you have those guys there, and it's kind of just interesting to see that. You know, I would just argue that the Astros are much better than the Dodgers, at least in my opinion. Maybe it's more of a East Coast bias. I don't watch a lot of the Dodgers, but uh, I think I'd take the Dodgers. You would. I think that yeah. the Astros starting rotation is so good and so scary that starting three, that I think that's really off putting, especially against the Yankees, where it's the complete. Opposite. I mean, the Dodgers have a pretty scary one, two, three as well. I mean, you have Ryu, Walker Bueller, and Clayton Kershaw. I mean, they're gonna go toe to toe. I don't think there's a huge difference, but yeah, it is kind of take your pick. I mean, both teams are good at basically everything. Um, some suspect bullpen relief in the middle, but yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty even. Um, but the Dodgers have just dominated so much to me. I take the Dodgers. I think you can't really go wrong either way. Yeah. I think it's hard to pick against the Dodgers. You know, they've been in the world series the last couple of years, but if the Mets were playing right now, it's an interesting story. And for this Yankees team, I just worry about their bullpen or their starting rotation. Rather. It's not been good. It's really been bad and it's scary. You can't trust their starting rotation right now. Maybe Tanaka. Tanaka needs to give me three or four more good starts for me to, in a row for me to trust him. You know, you saw on Sunday, eight innings pitched, shutout ball, really, really amazing, really incredible. And I think it was huge that you had Boone leave him in there because usually you'll see the Yankees pull him after they go through that third rota- order in the rotation or in the lineup. But for him to keep Tanaka in there, that has to be a huge confidence boost for him. Yeah, for sure. And Tanaka, I mean, he looked great on Sunday. He worked in and out of a few jams, so it wasn't exactly, you know, at some points early on, it was dicey, but then I think he went on a run where he retired, I think it was 18 batters in a row. So he's, he was really mowing down, and that was big. And then today, earlier, uh, the first game of the doubleheader, James Paxton looked looked pretty solid. I mean, he went six or six innings. He allowed three earned runs, but they were all solo home runs. Runs are less than four of his last six starts. So I think if you can get Paxton back on track, he can be one of those guys. He was supposed to be the left-handed version of Luis Severino. He was supposed to be the number two guy in the rotation. Starting to kind of show that a little bit. I'm not convinced either. I think the knee issue is definitely something to keep an eye on. But it's kept him. He's been on the mound. He's been healthy. He hasn't, you know, grabbed it multiple times or anything like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's still... Do have best record in the AL, which I think is big. I think getting that one seed is big. You want to play the wild card winner. You want to really play. I mean, the Yankees can can beat Minnesota, but if they have to take on Cleveland in the first round, if Cleveland ends up winning, ends up winning the AL Central, a bit of a tougher test uh, with that rotation. So, 
you know, all in all, I think he's starting to get health. I think that's going to come down the stretch. Yeah, and I mean, just looking at Paxton, I wonder if this, if once he gets past this knee injury, is he going to be that elite pitcher that we expected? Because I don't trust him at all. I really don't. And, you know, he's pitching to a 440 ERA. You know, career, he's about to run less. And I need to see, what do you need to see from him? I need to see, I would say, what, four or five starts from him. He's a guy that I just, in a row, that are really just good starts. I just can't trust him right now. And it's sad to say because he's been so good in Seattle. And it, it feels more like that Sonny Gray trade from a couple years ago rather than another Severino. Yeah, I, I don't think he's... Yeah, Sonny Gray was a different level. He was a special kind of kind of ad for the Yankees. I mean, he couldn't figure it out at all. The Yankee Stadium was, was a major issue. Yeah, I just, I still don't think I necessarily trust him there. But then you look at the pieces that the Yankees have. If Severino can come back now or in a, in the next two, three weeks before September starts, you get him a month of regular season baseball, maybe he comes back as a starter. Maybe this team in this rotation is so bad that they just need him to start. You know, you put him behind Tanaka and his number one, and maybe he's able to figure it out. And he's so fresh if he gets that those couple weeks in, then maybe he's lights out. That's kind of what you have to hope for if you're if you're a Yankees fan. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of pieces that have been coming back. You got Severino and Batanzas set to to face live hitting next week. Voigt said he feels 100% will avoid the sports hernia surgery, which I think is huge. Hicks is starting to feel better. CC Stanton, Loizaga. I think Loizaga is a sneaky guy that could be a major impact. I mean, when he started, when he's come out of the bullpen, he's been effective in both roles. So he could definitely be a guy that down the is big for the Yankees as well as obviously Luis Severino and Don Batances, who are the bigger names here. So I think it's about getting health before we fully can obviously we can judge the Yankees, the Yankees starting pitching. And I think this next stretch is going to show how bad it really is or how, you know, maybe they're okay. Because when you're playing the Blue Jays and the Orioles, they're going to put up 10 runs a game, they're going to win. It's not that big of a deal. But when you're playing the Dodgers or the Indians or Oakland, those are some series where you're going to need the starting pitching to show up. Yeah, and I just think that that's the biggest question. But at the end of the day, these are the Yankees. You know, it's the the best team in the AL, one of the best teams in baseball. You have to think they figure it out. Whether it be using an opener to start the game in the playoffs, maybe you have Chad Green start the first inning, get through the, the tough part of the lineup, and then you bring in Tanaka to face five through nine, get his feet wet, get settled in, and then by his third inning, he's fa- or second inning, he's facing those top of the – lineup guys and more comfortable you know is that is that a way they go do you do you have i don't want to say batanz but if he's healthy do you start a game of batanzas for an inning and do something like that i could see you know, that nestor cortez are these guys these pieces can you start those, those bullpen guys to alleviate some of the pressure from these starters who just have struggled immensely yeah and i think it's gonna be interesting but the good thing for the yankees is they're so analytically driven and they found all these guys that kind of plug in i think it's an easier transition than you know talk about the mets and, you know, it sounds good in theory putting Wheeler and Mats in the bullpen, but do the Mets really know how to use them effectively in a way that the Yankees are going to know how to how to use guys in certain situations for certain um, innings? And I think well, that's well, where the Yankees have the advantage. Well, apparently, well, what is his first name? Pete? Pete Regan? Patrick Regan? What's his first name? The pitching coach? Oh, the Mets pitching coach? Phil Regan, that's what it is. Phil, Phil Regan, Regan's, the old guy? Yeah, Phil Regan's apparently an, an analytic messiah, for lack of a better okay. term. Absolutely He's just been so impressive. And no, and it's the the numbers show that the team's been much better pitching wise since he took over. So maybe he's got the special maybe he's got Michael's secret stuff. Secret sauce. Right. And I we know a couple minutes left on the Yankees. So Glaber Torres just hit a three run home run against the Orioles. Big shock. The Yankees lead eight three. Torres has two home runs tonight. He just feasts on the Orioles. I mean, who doesn't? But it's just been it's been kind of insane how oh, I think that's his I think that's his 16th. I mean, it's just ridiculous. He's just pounding them. Uh, good one, Matt. I'm just, I don't want to wow. acknowledge that. That was awful. That was uh, but, but I do want real quick before we wrap up the because I do want to acknowledge Gio Rochelle. He's been incredible. Seven home runs his last seven games. He's slashing on the year 328, 373, 587, 18 home runs and 73, or excuse me, 63 RBIs. It just, Time and time again, Cashman goes out. He got Gio Urshela for for a pile of cash to the Blue Jays, and he's turned him into a legitimate starting third baseman for the Yankees. And what are they going to do with Miguel Andujar? I mean, this is this is insane. This is a guy you're talking about 
definitely being there for the future, doesn't play even half to as good uh, defense as Urshela, and Urshela has really taken over the hearts of Yankees fans. It's been, I mean, if you told me this was going to happen before the season started, I would have thought you were crazy. I mean, this is insane. Well, you want a uh, you want a prediction? You were calling me out yeah. for not taking a stand on the Mets earlier. Yeah. Yankees, they're going to lose in the ALCS due to pitching. They're going to trade Andujar or Andujar, however you want to pronounce it, for a really good starting pitcher. And the yeah, Blackrock Frazier in the mix. He's, I think if he's you, an all-star caliber third baseman, and and Duhar. Not not defensively, nice. but his bat is that good. So if you ship yeah, him to but, an AL team that needs a bat, and you bring in a really good starting pitcher, I could see that happening. Well, what I see if the Yankees do lose the ALCS due to pitching, they got to throw $200 million at Garrett Cole, who's going to be a free agent. Um, they can't miss out on another guy like that. Did you want to be Yankee at 1.2? Yeah, and I don't think the Astros are going to want to pay him that much, but I think the Yankees would, which would be huge. But yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think he's he's got to be in his. I think he's in his going to be in his early thirties. Twenty eight. Oh no, I believe he is going to be. He currently is twenty eight years old. Wow, is that right? Okay. Wow. Then I think that's a the Yankees probably will make. Can you? But can you give him six years like they didn't give Corbin, or seven years like they weren't offering Corbin? That's like, I mean, they have to at that point. But, I think. Why, but we'll see how that works. But last year, you know, is it because you trust well, that Severino is going to come back? Do you trust this starting rotation more than you do now? Is that like the issue, or is Garrett Cole? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think people thought. Well, think about what the Yankees did last offseason. They thought Hap was going to be as good as he was last year. He wasn't. They thought Paxton was going to be good as he was in Seattle, and he hasn't been. I mean, they went on make moves. They didn't make those, you know, Corbin moves or those couple years ago Verlander moves but they made a couple moves they thought were going to improve their pitching they just didn't work out and Severino being hurt obviously doesn't help either so yeah but you know I could see a package like that the thing is how much value does Andujar really have he's not going to be have been playing baseball for six months at that point they couldn't even entice a team to trade for him in at the trade deadline so I don't know why in the offseason they'd be able to kind of ship him off for a really good piece so we'll see how that plays out yeah, I just think that that Andujar is that type of piece that, you know, maybe do the Twins want to make a splash? I think, a, a, you know, a Bauer for and, Andujar kind of trade could have been something that was similar to the Puig, uh, Puig kind of trade. That would be an interesting trade to look at. It obviously won't happen now with with Marty on the move. But we'll move in or move over now to football with the NFL preseason starting. Dun, 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 dun. Football is back, baby. Yeah. I wish you watched Hard Knocks, dude. That got me in the mood. That got—I was gonna give you my login, bro. I was—that was got me in the was mood. It, like, I don't think was, I could watch it. I don't think I watch Hard Knocks. I don't think I'd get into it. No, you would. Eh, I guess you're not. I'm like—I don't, I don't know how much. I don't care. Play. I want to watch the game. I don't okay. need to see the drama around it. Wow. You know, ridiculous. No fun. I mean, I'd watch the it was, NBA it was one. Trick. The NBA one would be fun. The NBA uh. version of it, but. It's literally like the same thing, though. Like, these guys have as big of personalities. You just don't see them as often. I guess, yeah. We'll start with the Giants here in week one. And Daniel Jones is the new Tom Brady, man. Five for five on his only drive, 67 yards, a touchdown. All of that against the Jets' second team defensively. So, yeah, look at that. He's going to start now and be really good. Yeah, I mean, the overreactions are definitely already there. You know, people are already already crowning Daniel Jones as the Messiah. I mean, can people just make up their minds? Like, you can't complain about a pick and then see one drive of him against a second team defense and think that that everything's changed here. And no, we I don't think we judged him too soon. And no, I don't think that this means anything. I mean, it's preseason. It's good to get out there and get the nerves, you know, off off of Daniel Jones. He's probably feeling a little bit more confident. He's poised. He's Eli Manning Jr. He's not going to get nervous in these situations. But come on. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that impressive. That touchdown throw he made was actually pretty impressive to to Fowler and got it through that tight window. But this is nothing to, to get to get all excited about. This is preseason football. You watch it, you don't love it. You tell yourself that you love it and that football's back, but it's not. And nothing's gonna be the real feel of an actual NFL game. So, you know, it was it's nice to see it's better than going 0 for five with an interception, but it's nothing. Why are you just pooping on us parade? Why you gotta do that? Because it's why stupid. You gotta, why you because Giants. Why you gotta stand up here on the thirtieth floor of the Manhattan Skyrise, whatever you want to call it, just leaning over and just letting letting loose on the entire city, all the Giants fans. Like, why you gotta do that? To why you gotta do, why you gotta do that to Pat? Like that. 
It's ridiculous. You can't flip like that. You can't complain about Daniel Jones getting drafted and then when he plays in preseason, change your mind. I'm not saying you can't change your mind for the rest of eternity, but after one preseason drive, you're going to change your mind and say that he's the franchise? Come on. Come on. Nathan Peterman was a great preseason quarterback for the Bills, and what happened? Well, the Bills are awful. But he, just because the quarterback yeah. is good in the preseason does not mean he's to be good no, in the regular you're season. You're right. Like, this is but also, we have to realize that, you know, he made some nice plays. He commanded the huddle. We saw things that you want to see, and you can't declare a quarterback a Super Bowl caliber quarterback in the preseason. But you can, you can declare them awful in the regular – excuse me, in the preseason. And he wasn't awful. Yeah. He was nothing close said, at all. I he, thought he was pretty good. So he was all for five with interception to be bad. Right. This isn't bad, but it's it's good. But it's not great. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like it's not gonna move the needle for me. I still have the same opinion that I've had before. What was your opinion then? I mean, it wasn't a good pick, and I don't think it's gonna pan out. But I still think they gotta give him that chance. If you're gonna use the pick, you gotta give him the chance. And yeah, I guess I think I think he's better than you're expecting him to be. I think he could be a very good game manager. But is he a six overall pick? No, I mean, if Eli you could have grabbed six, that seven, was Eli Manning a top three pick, whatever he was? I know, but I mean, yeah, Eli Manning won two Super Bowls, and now he's you know mad. But he had a good you know, career. Obviously, you see Daniel Hall's Jones good. doing the same things Eli Manning did. No, you couldn't. See I don't him see Daniel Jones being in on a team with a very good defense, getting to the Super Bowl, and then playing very well in the playoffs, having a couple good series. Know. You can't see him see him being a Mark Could've Sanchez built type, but getting developed from Pat Sherman's an actual NFL co- uh, coach. But you could have moved. You could have gotten a defend a defensive lineman at six, and you decided not to. And you decided to get your quarterback. Wait till seventeen to get a def- uh, to get a defensive player. I think if you were going to build like that, you could have gotten the defender and then got the quarterback. Truly thought that Daniel Jones was the best quarterback in this draft outside of Kyler Murray. Why take that risk? Because the Redskins. So why didn't you get Sam Darnold last year? The Redskins. So why didn't you get a quarterback last year? Right. The Redskins. Looking yeah, for a they wanted Haskins they, though. But, they weren't taking Daniel. But Jones. But who said they wouldn't? How do you know that? They weren't going to take Daniel know Jones. They were locked in on Dwayne Haskins. How Hashies. do you know it was that? Known that the Redskins they move up were gonna... for him? How do we know that they because weren't the... looking at Daniel Jones? Maybe they were. Maybe they weren't. But, I mean, if so you're if, the Giants. the Giants think that this is their they guy, better there's a team that needs a quarterback before oh, their second pick, that. shouldn't they take their guy? Look, like, they if you believe that. that he's the guy, then you take him with the sixth overall pick. Yeah, but you had literally a franchise quarterback handed to you at the number two pick last year, and you took a running back instead. And now it looks like they're they're backpedaling. It seems like they're backpedaling and saying, oh, no, the, we didn't need Sam Darnold. We got our guy now. Well, like, you it really just want seems to know like why they went with, with Saquon instead of Darnold? Because, yeah, why? Because realistically, it's because the Giants pulled Eli Manning in that game for Geno Smith, made him upset, and they're like, you know what? We got to do right by you. And this is what happened to it. That one game, Stupid. I think, changed the history of the Giants franchise. I truly believe that. Because you could have let him play that... then and play that game, play his entire thing, go get Darnold, and then have him me- mentored by Eli. Because Sam Darnold's one of the youngest quarterbacks in that draft. Very young, pretty raw. And you saw how well he did when he took a step back and saw Josh McCown play. Imagine if you watched Eli Manning play. He could be even better. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You... Why didn't you take Sam Darnold? Because you sat Eli Manning. But that's a – why – okay, sure, you do good by your franchise quarterback, but you don't need to do – Eli has to understand he's not going to play for the no, Giants it's, forever. It's a, it's a really the Giants move, but future. I truly believe that's the only way to make Eli still could have played last year. He still could have played every game last year. It would have been the same result as what's going into this year where it had been like, okay, how long till we get to see but Sam I, I believe it's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only reason why you take Barkley is because you want to give Eli one last shot. Why are you giving it to him? Because you you done wrong by him the year before. It's the only okay, thing so that how makes long sense. do you wait? How long do you wait before you put in Daniel Jones? Because he's a six overall pick. You saw the Bills use Josh Allen. Uh, I think it was week five. You saw the Cardinals go to Josh Rosen early. Obviously, Sam Darnold. This is this is a guy that should be in that same conversation if he's a six overall pick. So why don't we just throw him into the fire if that if that's the pick I mean, you're going to use on him? Do you, you do think the Eli- well, first off, they think they're competing. The the Giants for some reason they think they're a good team, so they're going to start oh, yeah, and you're going to wait until you're mathematically eliminated to give them to give you a chance to see Daniel Jones. Because this is probably Eli's last year. And they still think Eli's good. I don't know what, what Kool-Aid they're drinking over in Giants camp. But Eli Manning could be a good quarterback if he had a top five offensive line and still had Odell Beckham Jr. And a good defense. He has none of that. So right now, right. it's really only waiting until Eli Manning isn't a good quarterback. 
and for the Giants' standard, that might not be for another year. I think that if the Giants start off like one and four, one and five, you you have to pull the plug. I think. Um, I mean, look at their schedule. Week one at the Cowboys. I think that's that could a loss. be a win I mean, if Zeke isn't there. If Zeke's not there, okay. Week two against the Bills at home. That's a toss up to me. Yeah. Uh, week three at the Bucks, another toss up. Then you got Washington, another toss up. Then you got the Vikings, another. You know, no, I, I, I the take Vikings. the Vikings. And then you play New England. So these are those first then, five games. You've got to be whoa. three and two. Then Arizona. Then Arizona. Then the Lions. I mean, these are winnable these games. These are all winnable games. So if you like yeah. it with. If you like him with these games, but I think you know that's when you have you know to. really think. tough is you're playing these first four games without Golden Tate because of his infertility. And yeah. it's kind of funny, but I feel bad. And this really hurts and the Giants. Possibly Sterling Shepard. I think Sterling oh. Shepard's going to be back is what they've been saying. But still, this is really detrimental to this team because if you had Golden Tate, I could see them going 3-1 and one, or 3-2 and two, or 4-1 four or, four or four, whatever it is in the first five weeks. If I everything think falls their way, they could be like the the Jets back when they almost made the playoffs with Ryan Fitzpatrick. A really easy schedule, catch lightning in a bottle, and run with it. Especially when you have a, a I think player the, as dynamic as Saquon Barkley. Right, I know we need to move on to the Jets, but I think that the nice part is the Eli Manning stories versus Daniel Jones would be so big that they might be able to hide that awful defense. Like We might not even have to talk about how bad that defense is. Which is sad, because be, that's they're the gonna reason why they're that torched. bad. I think they yeah, can have get a top torched. 15 offense. If yeah, if Eli and Saquon and everything clicks, we're talking about you know they could put up twenty four points, but they're still going to lose because the defense is going to give up thirty one or thirty four or something like that. So definitely something to watch. You know, I think Jones. I think that was great, and I'm happy that he had a good performance just to see the overreactions. But you know, let's let's just calm down a little bit. Let's calm down a little yeah, bit, and we'll move over to the Jets really briefly, and we'll start off with uh, two of their cornerbacks both get hurt. Tremaine Johnson's out for with a hamstring injury. And according to Rich Cimini, Adam Coach Adam Gase is saying that week one is iffy for him to even start. And this is a guy that was your big money cornerback from last year, didn't perform, but he's played under the current defensive coordinator, whose name eludes me for the moment. And regardless, Greg Williams. what Greg Williams, right? Thank Greg. you, thank you, Luke. <laughs> and um, <laughs> if he can get back to that form with LA. He could be a really good cornerback in this league again. But then he's out for a while. Undrafted free agent Kyron Brown, who's a rookie, was supposed to be your number three cornerback, which is embarrassing in its own right. Now he's hurt. So you're Oh yeah. So now your top three cornerbacks without those two guys is Brian Poole, Derry Roberts, and Arthur Mollette. I don't know who any of these guys are. It's Daryl Roberts. Put some respect on his name. What did I say? Derry. My bad, Daryl. Forgot the L. He might be taking a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's brutal. That's brutal because we talk about this Jets, this Jets team, Matt, and I think we kind of gloss over the secondary a little bit because, you know, you think Tremaine Johnson, you think Brian Poole, you think, you know, those guys are okay. Right, you think think of Jamal Adams, you think of... um, Yeah, right. Off the bat, you say Jamal Adams, and you think this team could be be something because you have Jamal Adams, you have Miles... Um, you have Marcus May. I mean, you have some depth at safety. So you think, you know, this team could be okay in the secondary. But you forget, you almost forget about the corners, which is huge because you talk about the pressure up front. You add Williams. I think that you can get a big year out of, out of the pass rush, which is the most important part of defense. The linebacking core, you add CJ Mosley. That's huge. That's huge for this linebacking core. You also have uh, Williamson. You have Jordan Jenkins. These are good pieces. But if the secondary can't hold up and you're not getting pressure, that could be an issue for the Jets. And I think that, Failure to address it in the offseason could hurt them. Were there more glaring holes, such as the offensive line, such as, you know, you want to add a veteran in the linebacking core? Sure. But this could be a problem if they don't address it. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of tough when you have that many holes. But does Joe Douglas become aggressive and maybe trade a third overall, a third round pick or a second round pick for a cornerback? Do you make these moves? Do you maybe trade from a position of strength? I think you have Do you to. trade right. maybe a running back or whatever? I guess it's not like a high position of really a high-need position or a high-value position. But do you trade positions of strength for cornerbacks? They have a bunch of them. They have a bunch of running backs. Yeah, I, it's tough. And then, you know, you, just to add some kind of pain, I guess, too, is Jamal Adams offering to change positions to cornerback for the time being. 
Wow, I didn't see that actually. This is the first time I've seen that. I think he that. was half joking. I'm surprised that, but yeah, yeah. You know, like it's the point still stands. You're 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 you're. Secondary, your cornerbacks are that bad that your that your franchise player is is offering to play out of position. This is Mets level crazy. Yeah, it is. It is pretty. It is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that if the Jets are as all in, you know, they're you know not saying they're Super Bowl contenders, but I think we both agree they could go nine and seven. Maybe Sam Donald plays great. They go ten and six, get a wild card. That's definitely possible. But it also is possible they go the entire opposite direction and go six and ten. Five and eleven again. You know they could be bad. So if you really want to be all in for a playoff spot, I think you have to make these moves and conduct a trade for for a quarterback. Yeah, and I think it's kind of fortunate for them that they that you have a buy this early week four because you're playing the Bills in Cleveland, which I think are both winnable games, and then New England. And New England usually the Jets will take one against them for the most part. I don't think this is the one, especially in in Foxborough. So if you can go two and one for the Jets. That's you're lucky. You're 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 saying your blessings, whatever it may Can be. You ex- uh, I don't know if they're going two and one in the stretch, though. I don't. I, they could. I said it's feasible. Yeah, it's it feasible. Could, they could be two and one. They can also be on three. Yeah, I agree. You've got to win at least one of these games. You've got to split with the Bills on the season, split with the with the uh, Patriots on the season, and then take both in Miami because then you're four and two. And from there, yeah. you can kind of work it out. You know, you got to beat the Browns here. They're a good team, but. Maybe they're not quite gelling yet. Maybe the chemistry's not there. You just got to hope for that. And we'll move on here to Odd Man Rush with just about 14 minutes left on the show. And we'll start here with probably my favorite story of the week, possibly my favorite story of the summer, is <laughs> Bagel Boss guy Chris Morgan is going to be fighting Lenny Dykstra in Atlantic City in a boxing match. Dude, Bagel Boss is going to get smoked. Like, he's going to get smoked. Oh, yeah. And also, Why? he's, I like, a really bad guy. Yeah, he's an awful guy. But like, like, racist, like, sexist. Yeah, like, really this bad. This is, like, not... Yeah, yeah, bad guy. So, like, I can't wait... Because, like, but how crazy that, like, the world's Lenny rooting Dykstra. for Lenny Dykstra, of all people. Yeah, this is weird. This is a very weird dynamic. I Yeah, I never thought I'd be rooting for Lenny Dykstra in anything, but here we are. Would you, how much would you pay to see this fight? Five bucks, okay, I mean... I don't pay for like actual I mean, fights. So I, I mean, don't know I, how I much would, really... I'm gonna say I'll pay pay it for fifty, but I'll probably just go on like Reddit and find like, it. But like, yeah, I would, exactly. I would theoretically pay money to see this. I would. If there's a way, we need to have a watch party for yes, because that would be electric. Oh, amazing! That'd be electric. We gotta we gotta bring in Bagel Boss Bagels for it too. Get some cream cheese oh, yeah. up in there. Lenny Dykstra. September Saturday. Is Lenny Dykstra electric. Jewish? So. Yes. We gotta get some. Uh, oh yeah, perfect. We'll get some bagel loss bagels and some blocks. A nice, <laughs> a nice spread. Will be perfect. It's gonna be electric. Pretty cool though. Chris Morgan's preparing for the fight, the boxing match, I should say, with MMA fighter Chris Weidman and Al Ian Quinta, both from Long Island. Long Island repping for this. I mean, this is the biggest fight Long Island's ever seen. Yeah. You know, I mean, bigger than Lenny Dykstra. Yeah. You know, long- oh, you know who's officiating the fight? Bam Margera. Do you know who that is? I don't know who that is. He used to be in like in the uh, in Jackass. He had his own show. Uh, oh, he used to have yeah, his own show, yeah. like Bam's World or something like that. It was yeah, a great yeah, show. Yeah. He would basically just like pick on his dad the entire time. His dad was a little, a little overweight, a lot overweight, <laughs> and they would basically just like punch him in the stomach and like do crazy That's stuff in the house. And the dad would be like yelling and screaming. Great show, highly recommended. All right, moving on. Some to Antonio Brown news. So we lo- we missed this last week where he went to appeal to wear his helmet that he's worn for the last 10 years that's no longer allowed by the NFL, lost his appeal to the arbitrator, and he's going to retire now, right? Like he said, he's never going to play another snap in the NFL. He doesn't need football. He doesn't need the NFL, right? Always coming back. Wrong. This is what he said during – Um, excuse me. Oh, sorry. I was supposed to play along. Yeah. During – or on Instagram, he said, he said, well, I disagree with the arbitrator's decision. I'm working on getting back to full health. And looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about this season and appreciate the concerns about my feet. I have a lot of concerns about his feet. Those are nasty. Absolutely disgusting. But, uh, yeah, this is... Dan Orlovsky called him an egomaniac. I think there's something wrong in his head. There's got to be something yeah. not all there. That's going like not even in a joking way. Like some, th- this dude's got to get scanned. I mean, there's something like 
the fact that he was going to retire from the NFL because he couldn't wear a certain helmet, it really just blows my mind. And it, I think it's scary. I think this has got to be a mental health issue. I mean, this guy that dyed his mustache blonde, he does all this stuff. And the fact that he would even do that, like that therapy where you go on negative 200 degrees. No, that's a, that's body like a very change. common thing. I know it is. But like I don't know why you're still, calling that crazy. I would do that. That'd be fun. You just got to wear That'd the proper footwear. For- I mean, who's letting him go in there without proper footwear? <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely an issue, but, but this is crazy. I like it was, just I, I, I can't even like, believe. I do agree with Orlovsky in saying that this guy basically just made the last two weeks of football all about him. The last two yeah. weeks have been all about him, and it's crazy because it meant it was for nothing. So I'm also I'm also <laughs> wondering though here, did HBO set this up or did the Raiders set this up to get some hype for Hard Knocks? Did Antonio no Brown, way. since he's hurt, not really at practice? Did he want to be on this week's Hard Knocks? And this is why he did this. We'll see. I mean, he was the featured. I mean, he was the guy that was shown right out the gate last week. It started with the John Gruden speech and it went right into Antonio Brown's personal life. So I think Antonio Brown's going to be on this episode regardless. I mean, he was featured a lot on that first episode. And, you know, there's been reporters and media people saying they're going to riot if they don't see Antonio Brown arguing about the helmet. So this is going to be must-watch TV on Tuesday. I am I am pumped. I don't think it's a ploy, though. I, I really think... Antonio Brown's crazy. We've known this for a while now, and I think the Steelers dodged a bullet. I think the Bills dodged a bullet, not trading for him. And I think this is going to be a, a year-long drama with Antonio Brown in Oakland. And if it was a hard knocks ploy, fine. You better hope it was, because if not, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be bad for for an entire season. All right, yeah, and we'll move on here to more football news. Dak Prescott turning down a thirty million dollar uh, average per year contract. He said he's looking for a forty million dollar contract, according to Jane Slater of NFL Network. Oof. Make him the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Brady at 35. Russell Wilson at 35. Roethlisberger 34. Rodgers 33 and a half. Wentz 32. Matt Ryan 30. What do all these guys have in common that Dak doesn't have? Aside from talent. They're good quarterbacks. Oh. <laughs> uh, what do they have in common? Yeah. They don't make $40 million. Those quarterbacks that I listed, their teams have all been to a, a Super Bowl. Oh, wow, yeah. Look at that. Although Wentz didn't. Like he was Bowl. there though. That's why was, that was his MVP. That's why you can't give him garbage for that. He was no, no. I'm saying he was the outlier to me. I was thinking, what, okay. like, what is Wentz? These okay, guys. Well, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I'm counting. He didn't win the Super Bowl, but his team was there. He was an MVP that season. I mean, he led them to the top seed. He's yeah, kind of there, you know. There enough. Yeah, but he's not worth forty million dollars, no, and this is crazy. I think this is just a contract kind of. Yeah, boy. I think so too. I didn't why think not until a little bit the... later? Because now if he if he gets thirty three million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's an overpayment. And it looks like the Cowboys won. Yeah. I agree. And I think that's what you got to do in a contract. I mean, you shoot for the moon. You know they're going to want to keep you. So if you say, hey, I want 40 mil, and they're like, well, slow down. We'll give you, you know, 33. Then I think, you know, you're happy. You're making more than Wentz. Uh, do I think he's as valuable as Wentz? No, but he's proven to stay healthy. He's proven to be able to lead this team to the playoffs, which is big. And also, you know, if you're Dak, do you think, you know, may, I want some money left over so that Zeke gets paid so we can win? Like, do you think that's something that's going to go through his head? It should, but it's not. Because right. he's not oh, a good nice. quarterback. I can't stress enough. He's not a good quarterback. He's a game manager, and they don't. Not, they shouldn't be paid $30 million. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But if the Cowboys think he's their guy, they're going to pay him. And it'll be interesting. I mean, they've hung on to Jason Garrett for this long. It doesn't surprise me that they think that Dak Prescott's a top 10 quarterback. He's a top 15 fringe. But people want to pay him like he's top three. I think that's just a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we'll skip a couple stories so we don't have much time left. Let's talk about the NBA schedule. The, the Knicks, you know, you face Kristaps Porzingis November 8th and November 14th. November 14th at the Garden with the schedule revealed today. That's exciting. That's some juice to it. Oh, yeah? A little bit of pizzazz. i got to ask you a question, Luke. How many national games do you think the Knicks have? They should have two, but they probably have, like, I'm going to guess, like, eight. No, they got three. Oh, Which is kind of shocking, because they're sneaky good. They don't have a lot of star power, but they're sneaky good. They're not sneaky good at all. Bleacher Report projected them to win 20 games today. They're wrong. They're going to win like 30. Okay, 30. Let's set the bar there. Let's calm down before we start talking about right. making the playoffs. They could, they could, you, wouldn't, you would be shocked if they snuck into the playoffs? I'd be 100% shocked. Right, you're just a, a Knicks hater. That's all there is to it. I'm not a Knicks you hater. Are you can't Knicks just hater. throw it. 
can't throw that at me. So, if you go out and sign 10, 10 power forwards, I mean, it's just it's all questionable. If Julius Randle is an all-star, they could be a playoff team. Okay, they have nice pieces. They're going to be good in the future. I'm not saying the Knicks all are right. screwed for eternity. Okay. All right. Give them a couple We don't have years. time for this. Moving on. <laughs> the Nets, they're going to face Kyrie, or excuse me, Boston, November 27th. That's exciting. And how many national games do you think the Nets got? The 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 little without sister KD, team. Oh, the little without sisters. KD, I'll say I'll say nine. Twelve. Twelve. But you were pretty spot on though. It's not bad. The Kings of New York, baby. Yeah. This is the next year. They're getting a lot. All right, so we got they're we gotta run through these, you know. And that's even without Kevin Durant. So you bring up a good point there. I wonder what they'll have ne- uh, the year after. Rich Paul. The, the the victim in the Rich Paul rule that the NCAA had, that rule died in about six hours. The NCAA yep. changing the rule saying that the agent would need to have a bachelor's degree to having to be in good standing with the NBA Players Association. Honestly, the most power move ever would be is if this rule happened and Rich Paul would just like go to like UNC or Duke and just like sit in classes with the players. That'd be a good recruiting <laughs> tool as be- well. If he's sitting, That's what there, I'm saying. He's like, sitting there in like just, sports 102 yeah. and like he's not yeah. doing anything and he's sitting there and he's like, hey, hey Zion, hey Zion, you want to you wanna play under Rich Paul exactly. brand? Exactly. Get you at LA. I mean, good for, Rich Paul has made a great, I mean, he doesn't even have a college degree. I mean, this, it really makes me mad that they would try to keep him down. I understand the reasoning, you know, with the whole Anthony Davis trade, I think was the last straw here. But this is the NCAA, but, NCAA making the rule, not the NBA. Right, but I'm I'm assuming the NBA had a hand in it. I really think they did, because I think Adam Silver was kind of mad that he realized that he doesn't run the league; the players run yeah. the league, which is crazy, is crazy. But it is what it is. So I've got uh, two bird stories for you. Oh yeah. We'll start with uh, birds aren't real. We'll start with the Scottish soccer team, the Queen of the South. They are threatening to remove fans from the stadium because they have been, some have been deliberately throwing food to attract seagulls into crowded areas. And people that do this are the worst people on the planet. That's Seagulls a psycho are move. The worst. That is such any a psycho girl, move. Any bird, terrifying. They're gonna attack you. They're gonna do this crazy stuff. No, I'm so out on on birds and, and seagulls and all this nonsense. That is such a psychopath move to throw food into a crowded area where there's seagulls. I didn't know there was that wow. many seagulls in in Scotland. Yeah, that's crazy. And we'll, we'll finish. We'll almost finish here. Odd man rush with this story. Shea Wirtz, the quarterback for Georgia Southern, was charged with possession of cocaine, but it was dropped because the substance on the hood of his car was actually bird poop. <laughs> so a police officer, officer stopped him for speeding and then saw a substance on his car hood and thought it was cocaine, tested it, came out to be cocaine positive. How do you think there's cocaine on someone's roof? Yeah, that's wild. doesn't make sense. But shout out Georgia Southern. Beautiful campus. Football programs back on the rise. Shy Wirtz, a great quarterback in that triple option system. I don't know. Just had to give him a little shout out. All right. Great campus. Great campus down there. All right. And to end Odd Man Rush, I've got a very exciting exclusive here. Uh, my parents came home today bagel from plus. upstate New York, and they brought me home a Wegmans bagel. Mm-hmm. First of all, my dad called it a overrated and a, uh, a cheaper version of Uncle Giuseppe's. I don't know Uncle Giuseppe's it's is. It's like an Italian meat market. And like it's got cool Italian okay. meat market uh, products and stuff. Which what does Wegmans have to do with the meat market? That's just what my dad described it as. But I've got the bagel here. It's plain. It's like an egg bagel. You can see here. First of all, that's first mistake. Okay, I didn't buy the bagel. Okay. It doesn't matter what bagel. I had a way- bagel's a bagel breakfast. and I enjoy egg bagels. Okay. Okay, but I'm just saying. What bagel I feel like egg bagels Blueberry. are always... Blueberry, cinnamon raisin, cinnamon raisin something like that. These, all right, so we'll give it a taste here. Right. And it's a day old, so I won't give it too much flack. Really, really chewy. It's very chewy. Actually, this morning I only ate half a bagel because I knew it was going to take me a long time to eat the whole thing. And I had to get to my dentist appointment. So this is a chewy bagel is what you're saying? Yeah. Why would you want that? And it's enjoyable. No, the nice, more you get to chew it, the more you get to taste bagel. it. A nice, the more you get to taste it. it. Did you put anything no. on it? Oh well, you're you're a psychopath. No, I'm trying a bagel. I'm not trying a bagel cream cheese. Got to get the it's cream a bagel cheese test. down there. 
It's got good flavor. I'll give it that. Okay. But I can't say it's a good bagel. Oh, my gosh. The texture's off. You're so picky. So picky. It's very dense. It is dense, but I like my... It hurts your jaw when you chew on it. (laughs) You have a weak jaw. Why do you think I have such a nice jaw? I have impeccable teeth. Okay, don't even get me started with this. All right. But... I'm just saying... I'll give it... It's better than a Thomas bagel. I'll give you that. Okay. Okay. Um... It's, 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 so if a long if a Long Island bagel is a ten, then what is the Wegman's bagel? I'd give it a solid. It's average. I'd give it like a six or a seven. Okay, we'll take it. We'll take it from upstate New York. You no, know, I mean, but also, I still like, think this is four points lower than a New York bagel, a Long Island bagel. You know. Okay, well then you need to bring me a Long Island I will. bagel. And we'll talk. To, what in two Fridays when I see you? Okay. What yeah. kind of bagel you want? Cinnamon raisin, egg, plain. Yeah. We gotta do a side by side comparison. It's the only way to do it. I'll All right, we'll send a fresh bagel boss. You want a cinnamon raisin? Excuse me. Sure, so yeah. Raisin, you gotta raisin. bring me a cinnamon raisin from Wegmans. Okay. And we'll test it there. We'll test it live on social media because we probably won't be able to eat it in time for our next show up there. Okay, we'll catch you guys next week for our last summer series. Sad. Episode XI. Episode XI, episode 11. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next week here on the Weekend Recap Summer Series.